Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. Coming up, Cameron Jones talks about playing Tiffany in the Amazon Prime show Paper Girls about a squad of time-traveling teenagers. When we do explore the 80s, we don't romanticize it or just focus on the nostalgia. Like, we go into the racism. We go into the homophobia. We go into the sexism. But first, let's kick back, relax, and talk about the week that was with two excellent humans. With us today, we have the hosts of the NPR show Code Switch, Gene Demby and B.A. Parker. Gene Parker, welcome. What's good? Thank you for having us. Hi, thanks. Oh my gosh, thrilled to have you. So I think we should start with the moon launch. This week, NASA had to delay its Artemis 1 mission because of some technical issues. They're going to try again this weekend. We are taping this on Thursday before their second attempt. This is part of a series of missions to eventually have people on the moon. What really caught my attention about the story is that there hasn't actually been a human on the moon since 1972, which kind of blows my mind. Did you know that, Parker? No. Because in my brain, I think of the Even Stevens song that's like, we went to the moon in 1969, and I just didn't get past that, so I know nothing about the 70s. <laughs> then we recently have, like, a whole conversation about moon poop. Like, am I, am, I, am I bugging? Like, there was, a like, the astronauts who were on the moon left poop on the moon. Wait, there's, like, just, like, Buzz Aldrin poop? Somewhere? Yeah, like, Buzz Aldrin, um, Neil Armstrong. Like, there was, there's human waste on the moon somewhere like in trash bags and they were like okay oh my god what happened god. to the moon poop if that's not the most american thing i've ever Wait, heard so we were trashing the moon before it was cool i mean <laughs> to be fair you know what i mean it's just desolation you know it's like yeah. but they but there was actually like a what has happened in the you know more than half century since then like what it, mm. would have, what would have happened to that poop? <laughs> would bacteria have grown on it is it life now yeah <laughs> is the poop like some kind of ascension yeah <laughs> amorphous <laughs> Blob that's like <laughs> waiting for the Artemis mission when it lands. The fact that we land on the moon is like one of those things that we like. You just say like, "Oh, we land on the moon," but that is a actually a bananas thing to think about. You know what I mean? Yes, like, totally. It's considering how hard it is. Like you just mentioned the Artemis mission, we have actual computers now, <laughs> as opposed to like <laughs> like glorified abacuses, right? Like mm-hmm. they <laughs> back then, right? Um, and 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 it's still hard for us to do it today. So they were doing this back there, back then, like, you know what I mean? Duct tape and, and yeah. good good intentions. Yeah, no, it is pretty miraculous that it ever works at all, really. Would you want to go to the moon? I would not want to go to the moon. No, I get I get nauseous if I turn around too fast. I don't think space <laughs> travel is for me. What about you? You know, like, no, 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 that sounds terrible. <laughs> it would be amazing to say you went to the moon, but the whole going to the moon part of it would be trash. <laughs> I think so, too. Parker, would you ever go? No, I mean, I, no, my my grandma used to have this saying about she never went on a plane. Mm. She was like, I've lost nothing up there. I'm not looking to find anything up there. <laughs> I have personally about space. Like I've lost nothing up there. Yeah. I have no interest in finding anything up there. Yeah. But I did see Ad Astra 
mm. with Brad Pitt. And that was fun. It had a lot more gunfights on the moon <laughs> than I thought would happen. And it had already like, colonized and it was already like a subway eat fresh up there. Like it was real, it was real chill. Like the Tasha Leone is up there, like checking everyone's ID cards. Like it, there was some things that appealed. But it was like a lot of work that I'm not willing to do. Wait, so the subway was a selling point for you? I mean, I am an American. <laughs> and so it doesn't take much to be like, oh, y'all got that up there. I can do that. <laughs> so another story that caught our attention this week, it's about Marvel. Specifically, Megan the Stallion is in an episode of the Marvel TV show She-Hulk. Um, but there were also rumors this week that uh, Penn Badgley, who's in Gossip Girl and you, is like maybe in talks about a role with Marvel. And it just got me thinking, like, they kind of have everybody at this point. Like, mm-hmm. do you think that's the goal as an actor is just to get the Marvel contract? Well, I mean, like, with, with Megan Thee Stallion, she twerked with, she- with She-Hulk. <laughs> and it was, it was nice. It was fun. It was cute. Oh, you are way more fun than my last lawyer. I will kill for you, Megan Thee Stallion. Dollar back. It was, it was like 30 seconds of a life, and it was wonderful. <laughs> so that I don't mind. Also, I don't know. That's kind of where the money's at. Right? Yeah. So, like, earlier this summer, um... When I went to see Top Gun uh, with my cousin, mm. it was one of those things like, oh, like that movie very much felt like a meditation of like a kind of blockbuster um, movie starter that existed like pre-Marvel, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like you said everybody is in Marvel movies. And it's like, it's like, oh yeah, like Tom Cruise is like just a few of the sort of old line movie stars have not been like subsumed into right. Marvel economy, right? Um, but everybody, everybody is adjacent to it. And like to Parker's point, like, that is where the money is, right? Like there's there's right. the kind of movie stardom, the kind of Tom Cruise, Will Smith, Julia Roberts movie stardom where you like got fifteen, twenty million dollars a movie and you just like headlined it and you were the draw. Like now you are like, you know what I mean? Like they just oh, there's some a bunch of very, very well known actors in front of green screen. This <laughs> critic proof is gonna make five hundred million dollars, whether it's good or not. Like I don't know if it's easy money because you gotta like, you know get a six-pack you know what I mean but like it's a six-pack and you talk to a tennis ball and you call it I was that. gonna say yeah the green screen stuff does sound kind of hard actually yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know I think partly why it's so interesting is that like I feel like there's this this tricky piece when it comes to art and capitalism where we get frustrated with artists for selling out but it's also like hey, if y'all can get that paycheck, like, if Marvel is what gets you the nice pool, like, I don't know, like, okay, Doctor Strange, like, do it, I guess, you know? I just saw, like, there was, like, a tweet about, they like, Marvel actress Kate Blanchett is in this new Todd Field <laughs> film. And oh I was God. like, she's a, she's a two-time Academy Award-winning actress. Oh but also, part of me is like, yes, say that lure the nerds and they can see Todd Field's filmography <laughs> and they'll watch in the bedroom and little children before they see the new one like it's called Tar or whatever but like I understand it but also I don't know it's like this oversaturation of IP is slowly killing my soul mm, yeah but um I really want like Megan the Stallion to get her check yeah yeah totally who's the most obvious person that you think Marvel should go for next Parker Ooh. I mean, I would love some, like, more TV actors should be in mm. Marvel. Give me, like, Joshua Jackson would do great in a, <laughs> in a Marvel film. 
He was good in Little Fires Everywhere. He played a great, like, middle-aged dad. It was kind of shocking, actually. It's like, oh, you're a dad now. He was like a great, like, villain protagonist in Dr. Death. Mm. And, and, like, I think Michelle Williams is in the Venom films. Like, give me, like, a Dawson's Creek reunion. I don't care. <laughs> what do you think, Gene? <laughs> I mean, it's weird because it feels like now that Marvel is like, now we're just going after DC actors. Like, the actors in the DC movies are just, mm. like, ended up in marvel movies now right like i think henry cavill mm, i think was like mm-hmm. in talks to be you can't double dip. christian bale was, a, was like legit batman but i think he was also in the uh thor love and thunder oh yeah so yeah so you have like literally batman was in a thor movie that's bananas that's bananas like um everybody like and I, you know like i'm sure like all the nerds online like oh these you can't cross universes like that but like you know like in a real way like it feels mm. like it's subsuming it's like Galactus to be yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like eating all the worlds. <laughs> so on the completely absurd side of this week's news cycle, there was a massive tomato spill on a highway in California. Yes. And then there was an Alfredo <laughs> sauce spill on I-55 in Tennessee. Oh, uh, as someone on Twitter pointed out, seems like pesto's probably next. <laughs> uh, also this week, steel spilled out of a truck in Wisconsin. Baby chicks fell out of a truck in Ontario. Last month, it was a bunch of cans of Bud Light in Kentucky. At first, my first thought about these stories is like, oh, this is like fun and weird and charming. And then I'm like, oh, God, is it is this just like another sign that it's like the end of days? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as someone who is terrified to drive on a highway, mm. this is a bit much. <laughs> like, you know how when you're like when I'm driving and there's one of those like long, big trucks behind me, like like next to me, I get easily freaked out. Mm. I mean, and as much fun as it would be to see like loads of Alfredo sauce <laughs> uh, fall like next to me on my way to wherever I'm going. That also sounds terrifying. It does sound really terrifying. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Like, those trucks are huge and terrifying, even without imagining, like, whatever is in there coming out at me, you know? <laughs> Just the, the staining, right? Like, your clothes are yes. going forever. Like, your clothes, the, your, the, the upholstery in your car. If the sunroof was up, if oh. the sunroof was out, it was open. <laughs> And just like loads of salsa just drips <laughs> into your interior. Oh. What do you think the worst thing to have spill out would be? Oh, I mean, mayonnaise. live animals seem pretty disastrous. Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise? mayonnaise? Yeah, mayonnaise. mayonnaise. Are you a mayonnaise hater? I hate mayonnaise. I hate mayonnaise. Oh. I hate mayonnaise. I, that, not just like, what's the worst thing that's spill on you? Like, that's the worst thing that could happen to a person. Like it was, You were like traumatized just thinking about it. I can tell. Oh, it's... Oh, oh. And I'm like, go, go, like, leave this conversation thinking there's a, a giant truck with like an oil truck full of, like, you know what I mean? Just mayonnaise. Just a hose of mayonnaise. Yeah, just like waiting to, waiting to, oh. Oh my gosh, but your skin would be so moisturized. No, don't listen. I just be ashy and. You would never need lotion for the rest of I would, the day. I would just choose to be ashy for the rest of my life. And, and people understand, I feel like. They're like, yo, you look kind of crusty right now, bro. And I'm like, listen. The alternative was to be doused. It's going to be doused in mayonnaise. It's disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> this... Oh, my God. I was thinking, like, turmeric would be really bad. You know, something that, like, you just could not wash you out of anything. You smell like it forever. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, a constant yellow tint. Just, like, hints of du- jaundice, you know? And the jaundice, they're like, oh, you got... They're like, no, it's, this is actually from the turmeric. No, it's... <laughs> and then they're like, what? What do you mean the turmeric accent? And you're like, well... And you have to explain the story. Well, you have a good story. I mean... <laughs> You become like medicinal purposes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's good for inflammation. Yeah. 
I'm just, it reminds me of, oh my gosh, it just, I just had like a childhood memory pop up of watching Rescue, remember Rescue 911? That's William Shatner, or, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, no. it was like, when, when, it was like a show where they described like people getting out of harrowing events from calling 911. <laughs> Sounds like propaganda to me. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's a different problem. <laughs> but I think the only episode I ever remembered was about a father and daughter driving on the highway next to a truck that was full of sand oh my god oh that's terrifying and it tipped over and covered the entire car with sand and they couldn't get out and so like they had to get like the jaws of life no that's all i remember i think i was like four or five when i watched that and that stuck with me so like just picture that but tomatoes It's not cute now. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. So so we've landed on terrifying then, for sure. What if you got sprayed by a skunk and then a bunch of tomatoes fell on you? Perfect. Blessings. Blessings oh, on yeah, blessings. Oh, good. Okay, let's end on that note, because that's a nice note to end. <laughs> Parker, Jean, thank you both so much. This was absurdly fun. Thank you so much, Greta. This is dope. Thank you. In just a minute, I talk to Cameron Jones about her role in the Amazon Prime series, Paper Girls. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. There is a new show out on Amazon Prime. It's called Paper Girls, and it's based on a series of graphic novels. I don't want to give too much away, but I will tell you it's about a pretty badass squad of teenage girls who deliver newspapers in the 1980s. Something completely nuts happens and they end up time traveling. I don't think you realize this, but you're a long way from home. And our guest today is an actress who plays one of those badass teenage girls. Her name is Cameron Jones and she plays young Tiffany. Tiffany. Tiffany Colgan. Who is also the nerdy one, which I love. Here's a scene of her talking to older Aaron, who's played by Ali Wong. Tiff, we're going to find future you. In fact, we're going to find future all of you. Yeah, we need myself. She'll know what to do. She'll have a perk table and all of this. Yes, I'm sure she's amazing and brilliant and in a very high income tax bracket. We need a phone book. They don't have that anymore. There aren't even phone books. Relax, relax. We'll go on the internet and find her. What's the internet? Cameron rushed home from drill practice after school to talk with us. Cameron, welcome to Nerdette. Thank you. It's great to talk to you guys today. So when you were preparing for this role, I mean, you were born like after 2000, I assume, right? You were born in this current century. Yeah, (laughs) 2007. So then how did you like you had to research the 80s, right? I mean, did you? Oh, yeah, for sure. I'd be like, I'd ask my parents, of course, and then I'd (laughs) read the comics because I mean, how much better can you get for the show? And then I definitely had to use Google. Google was a big help because I'd be searching up what are popular 80s movies that I should know? What are, what's popular music? Like Cindy Lauper, Prince, Coming to America, mm. The Lost Dragon. Our director actually had us make playlists for the first block of filming episodes one and two. And we had to use 80s songs. 
and 2019 songs because we travel to 2019. I'm not going to tell you when, I'm not going to tell you how, but we do travel to 2019. So we would like combine songs from both eras and make a playlist and all four of the main cast, me, Riley, Sophia, Fina, we each got a week to play um, our playlist. I love that. Was there anything about the 80s that like surprised you when you were looking stuff up or that you just like had no idea was a thing? Um, see, I had never really like seen paper people writing in the morning <laughs> so knowing that they sent kids out at like four know, right? five like, in, the in morning the dark. in random yeah. neighborhoods too mm. with like random people like that shocked me and then I really liked mixtapes I thought mixtapes were very cool did y'all have pagers in the 80s or was that later mm, I think it was later mm-hmm I don't know, though. I was born in 85. So like, I'm a I'm a young old, nice. I would like to say I don't remember a lot of the 80s for what it's worth. You would have been three when Tiff was 12. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, Tiff's older than me. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, so Tiffany, the character you play is super driven, really confident. She's got big goals. She wants to go to MIT. Yes. I'm curious, like how much you relate to those character attributes, given the fact that you're already working at such a young age. I think I relate to Tiffany very strongly because we both have like goals and we want to accomplish them and we're very like success oriented and we like to see results and everything like I like to crochet and the only way that I will actually finish a project is if I start seeing results but um besides the point um Tiff she I think I relate a lot because she wants to go to MIT and I'm from Texas And I don't really see myself going to Texas school and college. So we both do want to go to a college out of state. So I do relate to that Mm. aspect. So there's a really interesting theme that you see with Tiffany's character, but I arguably with Aaron's character, too, and probably kind of throughout, which is like the how complicated it is to have a relationship with the adult version of yourself, not even just in terms of like time travel, like double existence, whatever stuff, but just like the idea that when you're a teenager, you have all these really big expectations for yourself. But then so often, like the realities of being an adult mean that you kind of have to make some compromises along the way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that I don't know. I'm curious how that theme might resonate with you as someone who's like, still on the like fresh and excited side of expectations. <laughs> I would say it related a lot actually because I found myself relating to both Tiff and adult Tiff because from Tiff's perspective it was like I want to know what I become. I want to know do my mm-hmm. plans play out and everything. And I mean I would want to know too. But mm-hmm. from adult Tiff's perspective it's like I'm happy like not everything's going to go according to your plan. And I can look back right now and see that things haven't gone according to plan, but I'm happy now and I'm doing what I love. One of the questions that like really stuck with me was, would I care if my plan was followed or would I care if I was happy? Mm, And while we were filming it, I actually realized that I would rather be happy than have my plans followed to a T. That's awesome. And that's like a pretty wonderful thing for you to know about yourself mm-hmm. as a 15 year old. Like how lucky that you've already figured that out, you know? Right. So you said it like if you could meet the 35 year old version of yourself, would you want to? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. That's fascinating. I think I would rather not know. Really? Yeah, because then it's like, you know, the adventure or whatever. <laughs> I would probably want to interact with her, but I would either mm. interact with her a lot or I would not at all. There's like no in between <laughs> with that. I'd either just like look across the street and like see where we work and then I'd probably go home or I'd... <laughs> you just stalk her (laughs) no but I would just want to see what like our life is like for a little while and then like get a feel I don't need to know too much information and then I'd go or I'd like have full-on conversations with her and like we'd talk and I'd be like it would be kind of fun to hang out right yeah like yeah and then she can be like I know something you don't and then it's like (laughs) well I remember stuff you don't like it's that type of Mm. dynamic that could be cool Yeah, that is really cool. So I'm a big reader. I read a lot and I'm kind of obsessed with adaptations and like, because, you know, really the best adaptation of a book is something that like doesn't have doesn't stick totally to the actual book, right? And is able to sort of like stray from it and like, have the same vibes, but that doesn't mean, you know, necessarily the same exact scenes or dialogue. Mm -hmm. How do you think that worked with the adaptation of Paper Girls? Like, did, did it make sense to you some of the choices that or like the deviations that were made? I really enjoyed how Paper Girls adapted the comic book because I think while Larry and Juniper and different characters were added to make it not as predictable so it would still keep viewers who had read the comics like engaged, it Mm -hmm. still very much followed the baseline of the comic books. Like, and you can, we dropped little Easter eggs in there. So Mm -hmm. when you watch it, if you've read the comic books, you can see some of the lines from the comics being said and some of the scenes play out like me and Aaron hug when we're on the farm that's actually a panel in the comic book and there's like quotes you see all of these little easter eggs present and it's very much the same story just with little twists to keep you engaged and I love that plus Mr. Brian and Mr. Cliff who are the original um writers of the comic book they Mm -hmm. always gave a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the script and it'd be revised if it was a thumbs down but they always got approval and I loved that because this is like their baby and now it's like ours that's awesome one thing I really loved about this show too is getting to watch these like young female friendships form Mm -hmm. right I mean initially y'all aren't necessarily buds and you all have such strong personalities it's hard for me to imagine that y'all aren't like actually friends as actors now that you've gone through this project together oh yeah for sure I mean it's kind of hard not to when you see them for (laughs) five and a half months straight nine hours a day but I feel like even if it wasn't that often we would have had such a close bond like we do now because I feel like all of us just clicked immediately they asked us not to contact each other until we got to the stages so that we could meet like our characters did like oh, at wow. one time and just all thrown huh. in a room. But we did kind of break the rule because we sent each other. I'm so excited to meet you tomorrow text. Um, <laughs> I feel like we would have been close anyway. Cause I mean, we went to Jenny's for ice cream oh. like every single weekend or whenever <laughs> there was a big like celebration, like the end of blocks and Stuff like that. And then, um, oh, we played laser tag in a hotel when we were on location. Because <laughs> when oh we were God, filming at the amazing. farm, we had to stay at a hotel. And our executive producer, she bought laser guns. 
And we played on the second floor of this hotel on the conference room floor. And we were running past the spa, past the gym and everything. And there would be like somebody in the gym and they just kept looking at us crazy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That sounds really fun. It was. It was really, really fun. So I feel like partly what's so exciting about Paper Girls, like watching this TV show, is that It's part of what we're seeing more and more of, which is like this really exciting shift away from especially sci-fi as a genre, Mm -hmm. largely being about like white dudes who are (laughs) probably straight and definitely cis and were teenagers in the 80s. I like how does it feel to be a part of this shift? I I'm honestly so grateful that I'm a part of this project because it means so Mm -hmm. much like you're seeing so much representation in this show. Yeah. Like you have diversity and race. You have LGBTQ representation. You have four female young women protagonists taking agency in their own lives and making their own choices and they're kicking butt. And it's just very cool to see this be presented. And we're like talking about topics that don't usually get talked about. Like there's a period scene in there. There's Mm. so much stuff in there. And I really like how... When we do explore the 80s, we don't romanticize it or just focus on the nostalgia. Like we go into the racism, we go into the homophobia, we go into the sexism and the misogyny. It's just, I really love this project because I think it's something that the world hasn't really seen yet. And I really, really love it. Well, Cameron, thank you so much for for coming right home from practice and taking the time to talk with me. This was really fun. Thank you for having me. This was great. Before I let y'all go, I recently came across a New York Times story about a study that came out earlier this summer, and it caught my attention, so I thought y'all might find it interesting as well. It was about the importance of reaching out to friends and how much we tend to underestimate the impact of something as simple as just saying hi. The study was conducted by Peggy Liu at the University of Pittsburgh, and it was published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology in July. And here is what Peggy found. The main takeaway is actually very simple. People underestimate how much others appreciate being reached out to. And so whether it's just to reach out and say, hey, we've we've haven't been in touch in a while and I'm just hoping you're doing well and just thinking about you, or to say, you know, I've never told you this, but I really am thankful to you for blank. Those types of social reach outs are appreciated much more by the recipient than you might expect. I love this idea so much because, of course, it's nice to hear from friends. And it's also nice to hear that your friends like hearing from you, especially the ones who maybe you've lost touch with. So we haven't done a homework assignment on the show in a very long time. But this weekend, I think you should reach out to someone you haven't talked to in a while. This could be an old friend, a new friend, someone you'd like to be closer with. It could be a text or an email or, God forbid, the millennial nightmare. You could call someone. But either way, whatever you do, just kind of send a little note out there saying that you're thinking of them. They're going to like it. Science says so.
All right, that's it for this week. Thanks, as always, for listening along. Just so you know, we are back with Book Club this coming Tuesday. We've got an interview with Gabrielle Zevin. She is the author of the delightful novel Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. You should get your grubby little fingers and eyeballs all over that book and let us know what you think, because, of course, we would love to hear from you. The show is produced by me and Anna Bauman. Maggie Civit builds our newsletter every week, and Brendan Banazak is our executive producer. We will see you on Tuesday. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.